Welcome to the Red Alert Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Chap, along with my co-host, Cindy Barry. Cindy, say hi. Hi. We the have one some, and only. We have thought some, I would say that. We have big news to report. Well, it's all over the interwebs. It's everywhere. And Dylan Larkin has signed. And my co-host, you know, <laughs> for as much as she says that is utter stupidity, <laughs> she has hit it right in the... Earlier this in the year, in September, you know, it was a long time away. Football was just starting. Um, You know, the Lions are just about to start one and six. And this person, Cindy Berry, she said it's going to be between, you know, 8.5 and 9.2 million dollars. I was, I was, you know, me, I'm the kind of critical one. I was like, no, it's going to be like 9.5 or 10. And lo and behold, Cindy was right. Now, how about that? It is not often that Cindy is right, but we will get to it. Yeah, I'll let you believe that, okay? No, but if for people who want to look it up, first and foremost, this is why another point you need to listen to the Red Alert podcast, follow Detroit. Red Wings news powered by IQ on Facebook, Instagram, all of our social media between the whistles. Detroit will carry uh, that information as well. You want to listen to this show because we have people and I'm telling you, we've um, we got a lot of good sources and we kind of take all those sources and give you what we can give you. So um, on September the 15th, go back and go on your Apple podcast. You can go on Spotify, whatever uh, platform you use. Look up Red Alert Podcast, September 15th, 2022, about 15 minutes in. But we went through a little bit of a conversation about the Dylan Larkin contract, and I said it's going to be between 8.5 and 9.2. I was leaning more toward the 8.5, and lo and behold, here we are, 8.7. Also, if you want to look at the January 25th, 2023 podcast, once again, Joe, we talked about this issue. I mean, it's been an ongoing thing, right? It's like the song that never ends, right? And um, I I have a feeling Red Wing fans were feeling kind of like, how Chicago fans or possibly you could say New York fans are, were feeling about Patrick Kane. Like right, everybody knew it was coming. It's like, it's like when you drink too much at the bar and you know, you're going to pay for it, right? Like, oh, you yeah. know, it's coming, you know, what's coming. No shocker here. You know, it's coming, but you just don't know what it's going to feel like when it comes up exactly. <laughs> or when, You don't know when and where it's going to happen. You just know it's going to happen. Same kind of thing with these guys, we, okay? Yeah, we we were we were close. Right. To, we were close to it. We knew it when it was going. Oh happen. yeah, we kind of had a feeling it was going to happen. Obviously, we didn't know when it was going to happen because you know Stevie Y is like he's like the Jedi mind trick. You know, one one minute you're like you're like oh nothing's going to happen, boom, this guy drops a bomb. It's like okay, cool. You know, he's he's like he's like the stealth bombers for the U.S. Air Force, just. Out of nowhere. But you know what I take away from this uh, contract uh, extension by Dylan Larkin? What's that? It's very simple. One, his total number will be 69.6, which is very nice. Also, <laughs> <laughs> also, who could argue that 69.6 is bad? I don't think anybody can argue that. I don't think anybody can argue that. And if they do, it's red flags across you know it's like the hurricane if they flag. argue that they just don't know what they don't know okay let's well, leave it at that right ex- exactly but you know what else it is it's 696 
and that's a critical yeah, that's right. freeway to get to Detroit. If you you got you know. it. So it's funny. It's I I thought it was hilarious because I was like, this is this is awesome. I, you know, deep inside the Rubbings headquarters, we, we just I just told. <laughs> hold up. Deep inside the Rubbings headquarters, that sounds totally wrong. <laughs> You know, you know. <laughs> For some people, it sounds very, very right, Joe. Just saying. You know, but I digress. Go you, ahead. <laughs> you know, you know. Deep inside, when Stevie Y was making his contract, he just he kind of chuckled. He's like, yeah. <laughs> just a little bit, because you know he's kind of a serious type of person. But the one time I yeah. on that podcast, Agent Prov- Provocateur or whatever, you know, Canadian type podcast, it was with the it was Agent Alan Walsh and another guy who was. I never heard of, but I heard of Alan Walsh because his tweets are awesome. He's he's a Twitter fiend. He, he'll shred people on Twitter all the time, and he's an NHL agent. He's probably one of the best. But when he was on that podcast, I seen a I seen a, another side of Stevie I'd never seen in my entire life, and it was and I can just imagine him laughing about it. Oh yeah, well you know here's the thing. Um, th- back on January, so so we called the number. Or wait a minute, correction. I called the number on this Dylan Markin contract six months ago, seven months ago on September the 15th, 2022. But on January 25th, 2023, that's another show you guys want to check out. I'm telling you, you can go and check out all these past episodes. You want to go fact check us and see if we're not right. But uh, we called a couple things. We told you the length of the term. We knew the term had been decided and that was eight years. Yeah. Uh, that was kind of common knowledge, but we could confirm that. Uh, the other thing we could confirm is that, you know, they, they wanted to keep that no movement clause, that no trade clause. Uh, Dylan Larkin got that. I think it cost him a little bit. I think, it, you know, they, but that's the beauty of negotiations. You know, you got a good negotiation when each side has to give up something, but each side walks away, you know, feeling like they got feeling something about, too. Yeah. Yeah, so I think, I, I think he's got five years of the no trade clause, so I, that's that's a pretty sizable amount. Yeah, he got th- th- exactly. He got he got he got what he wanted out of that, and I and I get that because we talked about this on that show. Uh, Dylan Larkin's perspective is the the point he's at in his life and personal and everything else. We talked about players are people too, right? They got families. Dylan Larkin's going to be starting a family potentially here. And uh, you know that these next five years are going to be critical in his personal life. Right. So he wants to have a no trade clause. They gave him that. Um, I think he got close to that. You know, it wasn't the number that he really wanted, obviously, but I think he landed somewhere that he can feel good about because of the length of that term, that eight years, I think the wings can feel good about this because uh, you know, with Dylan Larkin being here for that length of time, look at the reality is he's going to be playing out the rest of his career here in Detroit. How yeah. motivated do you think a guy like that is going to be knowing this is where he's going to be in, for at least the next five years? How motivated is that guy going to be in the peak playing years of his career to go after that Stanley Cup? I think it incentivizes Dylan Larkin's, not that his performance has been bad, but I think uh, it can only mean good things. I think the Wings, I think it means the Wings are ready for a cup run. Uh, I know it sure as hell didn't look like that the last couple of games, and we're going to talk about that in the next we segment. We will talk but, about that, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, but as far as Dylan Larkin's contract, uh, we pretty much nailed every single detail that's to be that has been released so far has been nailed by either you or me on red alert uh from from months and months ago so um everything everybody people know everything can change at, on a moment's notice uh we've got some other little bit of uh, shreds of intel about what you might expect to see coming up here uh before the trade deadline um 
and uh, finishing out the season uh, when certain contracts can be negotiated and things like that. So listen closely, stay with us because we are going to be talking about more about that. So uh, Joe, what else do you have to say on this uh, Larkin deal? And uh, do you want to go into what we expect to see here by uh, week end of the week? No, you, you know, here's the thing about it. We'll get into the trade deadline talk in, in, in the next segment, but I just want to put this out there. So I, I, you know, all the time I hear from people all the time, all the time. This guy is not a first line center. And Cindy, guess what I reply with? I know what you reply with. I re- well, <laughs> you I, can tell I, everyone. I reply a lot with a lot. I reply with a lot of stuff. But I go. Then what and it is usually this? involves profanity. But go ahead. Well, well you know that's that's Keep how you get, that's how you got to get through to some of these people. So <laughs> I so I've you know I've changed and I've been like so what do you think a number one center is? And usually they will tell me uh, like Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby. I go, those are the elite ones. If you go look at the middling center, you know, first line centers, they're just about where Larkin is or above. And usually it depends on their wingers. That's a big part of it. Also, if you're looking at like the sentiment and you're judging just the sentiment on his point total, you got to look at his, you got to look at the wingers and then you got to look at the way that their team is constructed. It it always makes me laugh because like people will always tie back to like, the elite of the elite, you know, 8.7 is not an elite number. Usually elite number is like 12 million, you know, whatever, whatever the hell Connor McDavid gets is going to be elite. Okay. (laughs) I don't know know what the guy is going to get in his next contract, but I imagine Edmonton's probably going to have to take a bank and, and, and buy it out because they're going to need it for him and dry side. So, Everyone wants to say that Larkin, you know, he, he's not, he's what he's not a first line center, or whatever the case may be. He is a first line center. It's funny because, every you know, every one of them, the, the people that I talk to, they say, oh, you know, first not he's not a first line center because he's not, you know, he doesn't score. Well, he's got a point per game and he doesn't have he doesn't have legitimate top wingers. I think that's something we both have said. They they don't have top wingers yet. Can Raymond develop into one? Sure. Can Bertuzzi develop into one? Not with us, probably. We'll get to that in the next segment. But I think it, it shows right now, and me and you talked about this in, in before the show, Stevie Y has to go get a winger in this offseason, someone that helps uh, Dylan Larkin out. Because no matter what you say, no matter what anybody says, if you look at these wingers, they are at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. And if you look at this Eastern Conference, it is a gong show. I mean, you got Shletnikov, you got you got the uh, guys in uh, Boston, Pashnak and Marchand. You got New York Rangers loading up for Bear, and we'll talk about that in the segment with Tarasenko and all Panarin and the Russian roulette that they got over there. Right, you got the Toronto guys, you got the guys Toronto. from Tampa Bay. Yeah, it's just it's it's a yeah. total. It's it's you have to have talent to win in this conference. It's clear as day. You got to go make a run at someone. And who that's going to be, that's going to be the question that Stevie Y has to do. But they need to go get a, a top six winger this offseason for sure. Well, and I'll tell you, Joe, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if that was part of the conversation that Dylan Larkin had with them during contract talks. It would not surprise me if he said, hey, look, if I'm going to spend the rest of my career here in Detroit and commit to that, you guys have to commit to me to getting me what I need to get a Stanley Cup. 
Yeah. And, uh, and you need to, you need to help me become the best player I can be. And in order to have that, I need to, I need to have some real reliable wingers or I need to have a, a winger that I'm going to have some good chemistry with some real, a real high quality, high value uh, winger, at least one. And I think you're right. I think, I believe that there's a number of reasons why Steve is going to look uh, to the the free trade, uh, excuse me, the free agency market uh, or potentially uh, a high level trade. And we are going to talk about that again in the next segment. What are those some of those scenarios might look like? But uh, with regards to the conversation we're having right now, wouldn't surprise me one bit if uh, Dylan Larkin said exactly uh, at what you're saying right now. Yeah. I mean, it's just it just comes down to it's, you know, you bought a house before you bought stuff before um, sure. when you go buy a house or you go buy um, a car or you go buy a boat. Well, if you buy a boat, you're going to be spending millions of dollars on it just to keep it upkeep it. But that's besides the point. Right. <laughs> but if you buy a if you sink in enough money for an investment type opportunity, right, you want to make the most of your investment and for the Red Wings, it's going to be getting Dylan Larkin, the players that he needs to succeed, and it's going to be building this team up to this level that this team can compete in the Eastern Conference. This Eastern Conference is tough. It's a really tough conference. You look at it like – I think I was looking at it the other day, and there's like seven teams in the Eastern Conference that could be the number one team in the Western Conference. I mean, that, yep. just, that just shows you exactly – and if the Red Wings were in the Western Conference like they were years ago – they would only be, I think, uh, I think they'd be less than ten points from. No, they'd be eleven points from the top spot in the West. That's just crazy to me. Yep. No, for sure. It was kind of like I had the same frustration too with the Lions, right? If they would have been in a different division, I mean, they did a hell of a. They they deserve to be in the playoffs over and above uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks, but oh, I Minnesota. probably shouldn't say that. Sitting in the middle of Tampa Bay. Right. But, <laughs> right. But uh, I got a lot of Bucks fans and a lot of Bolts fans, man. I got to tell you, there is not a day that goes by that I am not following somebody who's got that bolt on the back of their windshield or on right on their uh, license plate. I mean, they're everywhere. I've never seen They're a hockey. They are a hockey town. No doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe because you know why there's so many, um, Michiganders and Northerners yeah. that have come down here. I think that could be what it is. But anyway, well, they're, um, and they're a fun team to watch. I mean, if even if you're not a fan of hockey, like I've had people watch uh, the, the Lightning, and they say, "Wow, that's that's actually fun to watch." You know, that's what Stevie Y is trying to build in Detroit. Obviously, rebuilding is is not easy by any stretch of the imagination. But listen, they're on their way. I think they're on their way. For sure. Oh, absolutely. And I believe that Steve is aware of that aspect of it, too. And he said as much in his interview as well. If you listen to these interviews these guys are giving, he'll say, you know, there's a business end to this. And part of their business is they need to put butts in seats. They have to sell merchandise. They have to they have to sell, you know, they have to secure season ticket holders. How do you do that? You put a winning team on the ice. You put an entertaining team on the ice. And um I think absolutely that's an aspect of what Steve's looking at. And I think you're going to see that in some of his upcoming signings and some of the deals you see here at the trade deadline. Even. Yeah. Here, here's the thing about it. Uh, you know, obviously if you're a general manager in, in NHL or any sport in particular, you know, you're always trying to build a team that's not only fun to watch, but is a winner. You know, obviously you want to be a winner no matter what, but you just want to be a fun team to watch. You know, I was talking to someone, he works for a certain uh, sports organization. 
here in Detroit. And they're not fun to watch at all. I mean, they might be the most piss-poor team we'll probably see all year long, which is saying a lot, but hear, hear me out. But he goes, he's a season ticket rep, and he goes, you try tell you try selling season tickets to these people. They're like, what am I buying this for? Like, this is total garbage. And obviously, you'll have the, guppy, the guppies that'll be like, ooh, I'll buy some season tickets. That's like, okay. You know, it's it's like obviously you don't value your time or money, but <laughs> you know, he, obviously he's gonna be like, oh, cool, sign here. You know, but he's like, I would never pay for this garbage. It's so bad, and that's what it had. That's you know, that's the business side of it. We've seen Stevie Y on that podcast say it. It's a business. You know, no matter what you think, it's you know, it's it's a business on both ends of the, the spectrum. These players are trying to get the most money that they can, and these organizations are trying to limit the most limit the money that they're paying out because they want to spend it on more players to help them win. And that's exactly where this this uh, because we heard that Larkin wanted nine and CVY wanted eight. Well, guess what? They met in the middle per- practically. So that's that's exactly where it went. Right. Absolutely. And here's the thing. Right now, the Red Wings, the reason why they are are not fun to watch is these guys aren't having fun out there. They're struggling. They're frustrated. They were hurt. They can't seem to get their feet under them. Once they get on a good, a good roll, you can see they're enjoying themselves. They're having fun playing this game. But lately, with the exception of that very short stint where they had the, those wins, they aren't fun to watch because they're not having fun playing this game because of all of those reasons. Once they start winning, once they start clicking all those things into place they're going to be more fun to watch and I think some fresh blood as well whether that means that they're bringing guys up from the A uh, from Grand Rapids or uh, where they're having a hell of a great time by the way they're having a hell of a run the Griffins are right now Um, whether that means bringing those guys up or whether that means bringing in an infusion from from elsewhere uh, of guys who want to just come in and kind of reinvigorate uh, some of the frustrations of this team. I'll tell you one guy who's been absolutely huge, absolutely huge. You can't underestimate or undervalue this guy, and that's David Perron. The presence that David Perron has brought, I think he has to be one of the best signings Stevie Wise made probably in the last three years. I mean, Billy Huso, you could argue yes, but poor Billy, we're just going to burn him out because he needs a tandem goalie. We 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 oh. got that's the other thing Steve's got to find uh, here either uh, very very soon yeah. is he has got to find a reliable backup for Billy Huso or even better bring in a guy who can be the number one where Billy Huso's the backup. Um, wouldn't that be outstanding if he could find a diamond in the rough uh, or like, like a, like a future Vasilevsky or something like that. Well, I and, think uh, close, close is on his way. Um, he looks really good in Toledo. So I think that's going to be your future, but they need to get that second, that second goaltender set away real quick. And I don't, yeah. I know, I know people love Magnus Halberg. Well, they kind of like him. They think he's a good guy and that he got sweet pads and everything. But I'm just about, I'm just I'm just about done with him. Like I I really am. I think that you know as much as he might be a nice guy and have some sick ass pads. I mean he lets in the softest goals I've ever seen in my entire life. Like there, you know there was a, you, you, years ago there, there was memes about uh, Jimmy Howard letting in a beach ball. Well, if you look at Magnus Helberg, he does the same damn thing. He's actually he's probably one of the worst goalies I've seen in a Red Wings uniform. And we had Thomas Grice. I mean, just the goals that you had, you let in that are kind of just 
easy saves. Like that glove, yeah. that, that that shot that Brad uh, Brady Kachuk uh, shot on him, it was a, above the glove. That's a that's a shot that you should save nine out of ten times. I mean, I expect the I expect the goalie at under you know the thirteen Little Caesars to uh, miss. Not not a NHL pro. I mean, that's just not <laughs> some, that's not something that you miss. I can get one of the women. You know, Little Caesars has a little Caesars, little Caesars has this girl. She is a badass. She's going to Minnesota next year or something. I think next year or the year after whatever. She can come in and play for Helberg for the rest of the season. Just give her a freaking contract and let her go. NIL doesn't even matter because, you know, she could play professionally. Here's a – hey, by the way, I think that's a change that is coming sooner. I think it's a change that's coming. I really do. I think you're going to start – and, you know, Man and Rain started that uh, years ago when she played in the – that exhibition game well, for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think what's I think what's paving I, this is going a little bit off topic now, but here there is a NHL is is they're working in conjunction with the new pro uh, pro hockey women's uh, league or whatever. I think that's going to be very very good for women because obviously they had that pro hockey league that was totally just it was a total dump. These these poor women they played in these these desolate stadiums like Fraser Hockey Land. And it was, it's just, it was a dump, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not saying Frazier's a dump. I'm saying when you're a professional hockey team, you can't be playing in. Well, if you're an, if you're a federal federal league team, you could play in that. But anyways, we're going off topic now. (laughs) Right. No, but I, but I, but the the point is that the, the, everybody knows the game is changing. Okay. I don't think it's going to be changing back. All right. I'd like to think that because I didn't get a chance to really watch it when it was in its heyday. Uh, I would love to see it come back to like my, my DMAC days, right? Because we need a grinder. We need a DMAC. Uh, we really do. Yeah. And matter of fact, I was watching that game the other day and I was thinking to myself, you know what these guys need? They need DMAC to come back and show them how to fight. Because even when when Bert went after, I was like, oh my God, you know, it's like lame, man, lame. But I mean, I give him props for trying, but Jesus, I mean, he, he was, it was like a half-hearted effort. I mean, but when he gave up on that guy, Darren would have been wailing on him for at least another 20, 30 seconds till he got pulled off the guy. He would have been, well, there would have been no stopping him. But this is, um, this is, this is where hockey is gone. It's just, you know, it's now it's a more speed yeah. game and everything. I mean, it's all one, going in a the, different direction. The one thing you could say about Darren McCarty, though, I mean, a lot of I think he could play in today's age too, because he could score and because he was a physical element. I think that whole grind line could have uh, played in today's NHL. Oh, I think so too, and I, and I think with Magnus Helberg, he, here's how I look at the guy. Uh, just to kind of kind of bring this full circle here. I first off, I think the game is changing, and I think when you see, you know, female quarterbacks coming into the NFL or, or female female kickers, I think that's those are the first two things you're going to see. You're going to see female kickers and female quarterbacks. But um, when you see female goalies coming in, and I think you might eventually see a forward, um, a female forward. I don't think you're going to see females coming in, in, into into uh, men's NHL. Oh, the guys are going to go nuts. I just, but I'm, no, I'm saying, just, if you, I, it is, if I you just, do see it, but here's the thing with Magnus Helberg, okay? To me, he's a quicksand goalie. What do I mean by oh, a yeah, quicksand yeah. goalie, right? Nope. You know what I'm going to say, right? Anybody who's an athlete, they knows they know this reference. Magnus Helberg Whoa. was actually, I thought Joe made some brilliant saves oh, in the sure. first period before what? Before that stupid freaking penalty shot that had no business being there. But once that happened, 
it was like quicksand and Magnus Helberg just no, went that was, a, that that was No, it was that or was that was Billy Husso. That was, that was Billy Husso. That was Billy Husso had the penalty shot. He had a quicksand day, Hel- but, but Hel- Magnus Hel- Helberg made some Helberg had the game where they had he had like five straight, the whole first period was excellent. But yeah, and then he had five straight power play, I mean penalty kills. Yes. That's yes. what killed him. But you know, there's some yes. just like I said, there's some goals that he lets in that are not good. But this is some of the things we're talking about with Dylan Larkin. And obviously, you look at this Red Wings team, like there's issues on this team that we're going to talk about in probably two segments you know, later because we're going to talk about the trade deadline next. But, uh, you know, you look at this team, there's there's issues that still remain. And if I'm Stevie Y, it's very smart of Stevie Y, number one, to get these Larkin extended, Wallman extended, because those are critical pieces to your future. But now he knows exactly what he needs to get in free agency next year, in trades next year, to go into next year and actually compete in the East. You know, the, I read the TSN report that said, you know, the Red Wings were looking to sell now because, which we're going to talk about in the next segment, but because it's the East is an arms race. Like, you're either good or you're going to get your ass kicked. Like, that's just the way it is. Like, all these teams are loading up for – it's like – it's like the United States. Like, if they're going to go to war, they're going to load up on artillery. They're going to load up on, you know, tanks and aircrafts. And they're just going to be ready to battle. Well, all these teams are loading up. And a team like the Red Wings, they can't afford to load up like these teams. So, they're, Stevie Y is probably like, okay, if we make the playoffs, we make the playoffs. But I'm not I'm not buying anything. I'm not, I'm not keeping a guy like Bertuzzi who they're not going to probably sign. And I'm, we're just going to go into it. All right. So we'll get that on the next segment. All right. Yeah. Welcome back to the Red Alert Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Chapp, along with my co-host, Cindy Barry. And listen, Cindy, if you've been watching hockey, and especially if you've been watching this trade deadline, absolutely insane. And I don't know what's going on with the Western Conference, but they're not buying anything. Like they're, they're The Eastern Conference is like loading up for like, World War Three, and we got the Western Conference twiddling their thumbs. So, like, uh, what a what a what a f- crazy market this is. You know, Patrick Kane's going to New York, which listen, he wanted to go to New York and be a New York Ranger, and they made it happen because in poor Chicago. I mean, they trade they trade Patrick Kane, and you think that they would get like a good return for it? No. They got one of the Red Wings' failed prospects in Vili Salyarvi. Like, yeah, what does that thank tell you? you what very... does that tell you about Patrick Kane, though? I don't care what the Vegas odds say. The guy is in the sunset of his career, yep. and there's just not a whole lot of life left there. I don't care what they say. Well, the guy's got a chip on his shoulder anyway. I just, I think his best playing days are probably over. Yeah. But look at these big names, these big, big moves. Jonathan Quick. Yeah. Tarasenko, yeah. Patrick Kane, Ryan O'Reilly. Well, I those the, are like seismic moves. Well, I look at the Jonathan Quick one where he's going to get traded again because obviously Columbus is in a bad spot. But they had to take Jonathan Quick just to make it work. But I feel bad for Jonathan Quick because he's like he gets traded for another goaltender and a defenseman, and it, you know it's it sucks because Jonathan Quick was one of the best goaltenders to watch in that 
that run where the Kings had that run where they, where they went to Stanley Cup Finals. And he was just so fun to watch the way he was contorting his body and making all these saves. And it was just fun to watch. Like he was kind of like a, a, a white, he was kind of like a newer version of Hashik where he would make these insane saves and you would be like, holy crap, he, he, he made that save. And he was dominant for so long. But, you know, obviously when you're a goalie, you know at some point your body is going to start to say, hell no, we're not doing this, bro. And because right. <laughs> like, your brain will finally catch up and say, "What the hell have you been thinking?" <laughs> well, especially, especially when you know I've talked to people before who played the goaltender, and and, and and especially in like the pro ranks and college ranks, and they all say the same thing: like their ankles hurt all the time, their joints hurt all the time because they're doing all those, you know, in, insane movements where they're going from crease to crease and. We've seen Carey Price recently retire because of that, but Jonathan Quick was one of the better goaltenders of all time, and it's sad to see what happened to him, uh, you know, not be able to finish his career as an LA King. But I have to have a feeling someone's going to trade for him in the playoff race. But, yeah, you said about Patrick Kane. Like, listen, I was listening to Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick, 32 Thoughts podcast, and they were saying um, that people were worried about his hip. Obviously, if you're an NHL player, you're you've ever played the game of hockey, you know how important your hips are. So I know why teams are reluctant. Obviously, Kane had say of where he was going with the no trade clause. Obviously, he wanted to go to New York or Toronto, but you know, Toronto, there's no way they were fitting him in that that pile. But listen, it, this has been a crazy trade deadline. And if you look at all these, and we're not even done. Friday is the trade deadline, and we're it's gonna we're gonna see a lot of movement still. Um, especially if you're a Red Wings fan, you're probably gonna see a couple of names be shipped out of town and it might be for the good because i think that if you're a team like uh the red wings where you know you're not you have a pending free agent you're gonna kind of try to get something for him before he leaves town yep and it's funny because you know a lot of these a lot of these teams that are like you know in the midst of their you know everyone's loading up i mean boston had they went and got dimitri orloff from the washington capitals he's a good defenseman like boston needed anything else for good for them and then they got um you know they got that hathaway kid who he just he he is a boston brewing through and through you know we talk about all the time how you know there's some players that just match the detroit identity that kid matches the boston identity just tough physical and, and just a pain in the ass to play against, but you know, Toronto loaded up with Ryan O'Reilly. They got a bunch of, def- they got Gustafsson from uh, Washington for the defensive core. Like all these teams are loading up. And I'm, you know, if you're the Red Wings and you're thinking about, Oh, we're going to try to make the playoffs. You look at the playoffs and you look at the teams that you might have to face and you're like, okay, maybe we'll just, you know, get rid of someone who like Tyler Bertuzzi, who is on the last year of his deal. And, the side, those two sides are not going to agree on what's what's the pending mark. I think if Steve could get Tyler for um, a good for a good price, I think he would look to keep him. Um, I think there's a couple of things that they will probably be far apart on. I uh, and and I think you Joe even have some information on this, but the terms of Tyler Bertuzzi uh, in terms of the length of his contract. I think are, are, are a real sticking point and problematic in this negotiation. If they're far apart on anywhere or excuse me, on any point, I would think it's probably the length of the contract. Yeah. Steve doesn't yeah. like giving out long contracts unless he's, he's making a significant commitment. I don't think he's ready 
I, I don't see, think he sees that with Tyler Bertuzzi. I think he'd take Tyler Bertuzzi for a few more years at a, if you can get him for the right price. But um, I don't believe that he's looking to make a long-term investment there. And to tell you the truth, that plays on a guy's psychological uh, situation as well. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When you've got a GM who's saying, uh, I know you want seven years. You've been here with us through the really rough times. Now it looks like it's going to get good. Eh, I'll give you three. I, I, I get that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I can well, see it from both sides. Well, I mean, obviously we talked about in the last segment how it's a business and you want to maximize what you can make. And obviously the team is maximizing what they can get out of you. And it's a kind of like a two horse race and you, you, you understand both sides. You really do. But what I hear from people I've heard from people that I've talked to, they, they, they always say with the thing with Tyler DiPertuzzi, it, it comes down to the length of the contract and usually when you get do the length of the contract, the term goes down. Uh, I was told through a really reliable source that uh, even though, even if he put the term out there, like the one that it, Tyler Bertuzzi wants, right? The term wasn't going to go down. And that's usually the opposite of what happens. You know, you, you see these long contracts like like Dylan Larkin got today, eight, $8.7 million, eight years. If they would have done a, like a five-year contract, that contract would have been probably about $11 million. That's how it is. They just kind of prorate it through the years. So, you know, you get more um, you get more commitment to your your investment and you'll get the same amount of money if you just if you just uh, you know, expand it even more like 8 years or you know, you you can only go 8 years with the with the with the, the contracts in NHL. So, you know, I hear it's, it's I hear with Tyler Bertuzzi and the Red Wings, it's, it's a total, just the length of the contract that's the issue. And if you're Stevie Y, you look at what Tanner Janot got for, uh, for Nashville, and Bertuzzi is way better of a player than Tanner Janot. I watched Tanner Janot. He's there's times that he looks really good, and there's times that he looks like a freaking idiot out there. And the Preds right. were the Preds were very very fortunate to get what they got for him because I don't think he's a top six forward like Bertuzzi is and a team that's in the playoffs Tyler Bertuzzi will absolutely help but when you're looking at Tyler Bertuzzi in the long term you can't make an investment in him like you just can't the injuries that he's had you can't, there's no way that you're investing that kind of money in a guy that one can't stay healthy and two he has had back problems and that's a major thing like we you know the NFL combine is going to start in a, a couple of days. And I know that because I do a podcast with the Detroit lions news and blah, blah, blah. And all the times when they talk about, these are young players that are trying to get themselves in the NFL. And all the time you will hear, Oh, well, this guy is going to drop because he had a knee injury like 15 years ago. He was three. Like, right. <laughs> like, like you're like, Holy crap. But these are what these teams look at because like even if like I remember there was a there was a player that was coming in out of the uh, NHL draft it was a couple years ago, and he was a first round pick, and a lot of the teams heard that he had a knee injury when he was like twelve years old, and that's mm-hmm. what ruined his draft stock and he went to in the third round, and he's actually on an NHL roster right now. But it, it's that was what happened. Like they were like, oh, he had a knee injury back in the day. I mean, knee injuries don't mean anything, but one of the big things that will really be a red flag for some of these teams is your back and your hips. Because, listen, if you get surgery in the back, there's a very, very good chance that you will never be the same guy. 
Well, and it looks like Tyler had really done a pretty uh, impressive. He was pretty impressive coming back, did pretty well coming back uh, from that major surgery that he had that kept him out for a long time. But I think the other part of the Tyler Bertuzzi deal that is, um, and this is honestly a minor point because I think either side might be willing to concede it if the other terms could be worked out and that is he's looking for an NTC too, no trade clause or NMC, yeah, no yeah. movement clause. He's looking for the same. He's looking for that as well. And I, I don't think that he is in a position to be asking for a sweetener, but yet he is. If he's going to stick with that, then he's going to need to uh, get more reasonable on his terms. He's going to have to probably concede to that three years that Stevie Y is looking to give him. So um, I, I think given those things, I, I think Tyler Bertuzzi could possibly find a home somewhere else with someone who is willing to give him that uh who's going to be a cup contender pretty much every year and they know that he could be a part of their team for the next three to five years um and so I think not only is Stevie Y in a position that he's got so much talent and so much depth coming up and um and the challenges with Tyler Bertuzzi that they've had up to, to this point um he's 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 looking at it he's in a much different position uh steve is uh, than some of these other gms some of these other gms they are would be desperate to get a tyler bertuzzi and they will give him what he wants at least per, uh, closer than steve's willing to go so well if, you, if you're in a win now situation like if you're the boston bruins or the edmonton oilers hey, absolutely. Like you're taking Shoot, the, the you're, toronto you're yeah you're taking the shot because you know that like okay if i can get this guy Especially if you're Edmonton, I mean, okay, you got the two best players in the league, pretty much, in Drysaitel and uh, and McDavid, and they haven't won Bukas. I mean, that just go, and if you if you're not careful, these guys eventually will f- be like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave because this is this is not working. So if you're a general manager like Kenny Holland, who's in Edmonton, you're like, okay, we gotta we gotta make a deal, we gotta get better, and you, you're kind of screw the the future, like we're going for it now. And when you're in that situation, you could do that. But when you're in a situation like the Red Wings, where like you're you're focusing on the prospects and you're focusing on you know uh, your cap flexibility in the meantime while you're rebuilding and you're trying to become a good team, Steve Eisman's in a much different spot, like you just said, and right. and that's exactly what it comes down to. If obviously if I'm a team like Boston or, or even like a team like Carolina, I'd be like, okay, just give me them, name the price, we'll give it to you screw the rest of it we'll we'll figure it out later like that's how it is well i think an, an ideal position or team that should be looking at um tyler bertuzzi now is toronto because number I don't one know if they can afford him though that's the problem well now with the ryan o'reilly thing maybe not but um but I do think that, I mean, just imagine that if you, if how stacked would Toronto be if they're sitting there with Ryan O'Reilly, uh, you're sitting there with Tyler Bertuzzi, you're sitting so, there with, I got the, I got right. the best, I got the best, I had the best place for Tyler Bertuzzi to go. Now yeah. it'll, it'll pain me to earth and core because, oh God, I know what you're going to say. No, I'm not going to say the thing, one you're thinking of, but All I, right. think, I am thinking of an Eastern Conference team. And I'm thinking of a coach that is an absolute freaking badass. And, like, he would kick my ass right now, and he's older. And that's Rod the Bod, Brendan Moore, in Carolina. I think he would love a player like Tyler Bertuzzi. And they're going for it. I mean, they got Brett Burns, and they got a bunch of these uh, older guys on the roster trying to win a, a cup. I think they would love a Tyler Bertuzzi. I, I, I think they'd be like, oh, let, bring him here. I mean, 
Rod the Bod and Tyler Bertuzzi. Oh my Rod God. The bod. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, you could be right. You could be right. But, uh, you know, everyone talks about Tyler Bertuzzi. He's obviously the highest profile profile player that's talked about as yeah, you know, he's on the trade block, off the trade block, on the trade block, off the trade block. Right. You know, it's kind of like, you no know, one knew, no one knew so what was dizzy. happening. Here's the thing about it, though. You know, it's funny. Like, all these insiders, they literally, they literally have no idea. They literally have no idea. And I think that's funny as hell because that shows you that Stevie Y keeps a lot of stuff close to the core. And you really don't know unless you kind of know people that will talk to you because you've made a relationship with them. These insiders that are national insiders, they have no freaking clue what's going on. Like, they are just, like, I heard Elliot Freeman, he's like, I don't know what's going on with Steve. You know, I hear they're on. I hear they're off. I hear they're on. It's like, man, Stevie Y is probably listening to this podcast and going, ha, ha, ha. Laughing his ass off. (laughs) Yeah, well, here's the thing. Here's why. I'll tell you why. I believe a lot of these national media guys and even some of the Detroit media or the insiders, <coughs> excuse me, uh, why a lot of these insiders tend to get it wrong or uh, they really do have to rely on trusted sources because they're just not very intuitive. You know, you know, I'm a poker player, right, Joe? And yeah. I'm pretty darn good when I'm in fact, I'm looking forward to the Detroit Red Wings um, charity poker tournaments coming back because I can't wait to sit down with some of these guys. I have played cards with some of them, as you know, and uh, just not poker, but, um, and, and some of them are pretty good, good card players, but here's the deal in poker, you know, you don't play the cards, you play the man right or the woman you play the player and the reality of it is is none of these supposed insiders okay they might know the game they might have connections but they're getting played by everybody who wants to play them for whatever their purposes are you got to get inside steve eiserman's head if you're not you can be inside the game all you want but if you don't understand how steve eiserman thinks uh, you're not going to have a chance at trying to predict what's going to happen. And quite frankly, even then, you may not be able to do it. But Steve is, um, they say he's, hes you know, kind of a, a difficult guy to figure out. I don't think so. Um, <laughs> it, it's no, not I, if you're looking at it from the no, right No, 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 no. Don't play that. He is no, a very, I, just, I don't think he he's is, that difficult he to is figure a out. Very, he's a very difficult man to figure out because this guy is so freaking calculated. And he's so smart. Like, Okay, for instance. Well, Elon, exactly. That's Elon, my point, Joe. Elon Musk. We, okay. When Elon Musk is talking on, on a podcast like Joe Rogan, and this guy is thinking through what he's about to say, like, you don't know what this guy is about to say. Like, he's about to shock your ass. He's like, uh, you know, the uh, electric code is blah, blah, blah. Like, Stevie Y is probably like, I know everything about you, and I'm about to, I'm about to dominate, but I'm just going to let you play that I'm playing dumb. But that's my point. My point is we know this about Steve. Everybody does know this about Steve. So don't expect the expected. Expect the unexpected. Don't expect the obvious. Don't expect him to make a move that anybody else would make. Expect him to do something differently. One of the things, and this leads me into, nice segue, thank you, you're welcome. Uh, This leads me into my next point, and that is that everyone is so fixated on Tyler Bertuzzi. I'm willing to bet you rolling into this trade deadline, you're going to see Steve make some unconventional moves and probably move some players. If he's going to move anybody, if he's going to make a move. It's going to be with guys that you haven't thought about because they haven't been talked about guys like Jordan Osterley guys, like uh, some of the guys we've got down in the prospect pipeline. Uh, you might also see him. I think maybe moving a guy like Ben Sherratt. 
Uh, you might well, want to uh, he can't he can't move Ben Sherratt, and he's not well, gonna, he's, he's not going to move Ashley because there's no reason to. But like, wouldn't surprise I, me if he just bought out Sherratt's contract. You hear, that's another, it wouldn't surprise me. That's another that's another story for another day. I, right, but I've, I mean, been, my I've point, been so disappointed with that. But go on. But you know what I'm saying. Right? My point is, don't be surprised to make Steve may make what seems like very minor moves to most observers. But they're huge. You just oh, don't see it yet because he's five yeah, because, steps down the road. Because look at what he did with uh, Nick Letty. Yeah, he traded Nick Letty for a second round pick, Jake Wallman and Oscar Sunquist. And guess what he <laughs> got out of that? Yeah, he got an absolute freaking steal of a. He not only did he get a second round pick because you know those are gold. He got Jake Wallman. Jake Wallman has been fantastic as a with Cider. They've been a top pair in the def, in in. They've been one of the top pairs in uh, expected goals against and expected goals for. Like they're just, it's unbelievable. Like yeah, like what you just said, the minor moves. Stevie Y knows. And here's another thing. I was talking to someone who you know he's with another organization, but he goes, uh, he goes when Detroit calls and they ask about a player. Uh, you better just, just figure out if you're actually you actually have a great read on the player that you like you have in your system because he said he's he literally said he goes if you if you have the wrong read he know he goes that guy stevie y and that that scouting staff with chris draper and nicholas lichstrom and all the scouts that they've had for years they're gonna expose the shit out of you like just expose you and he goes the blues are a spitting example of it they gave up billy huso for a third round pick i'm pretty sure they would take billy huso right now back they gave they gave up Jake Wallman, Sunquist, and a second-round pick for Nick Letty. And Nick Letty, you know, he wasn't great here, and he's not great in St. Louis. Like, St. Louis got absolutely fleeced by on two separate occasions by CBY. So that's exactly why if you're a general manager or anyone taking the call from the Rebels, you're like, okay, something bad is What are we missing here? <laughs> something bad might happen. It's like in baseball, right? If the Tampa Bay Rays call you, run. Because they yeah. usually, they usually have a great sense of you know what their guy is capable of and what your guys are capable of, and that's why they they that's why they're the team that they are. You know, some teams are just like that where they just can figure out players. Not on they have great pro staffs, which that's what they call it, pro staffs. See, they got scouts that are pro scouts who scout these other teams. And Stevie Y even said on that podcast, like if he's not watching the Red Wings, he's watching the AHL game, he's watching a junior game. Like scary stuff. Like it's it's like a poker player. You just said it. He, when you're talking to him, it's he's uh, steps ahead. He's like that. He's like the Mister Obato. I will steal all your stuff, and you will have nothing. Like <laughs> you're just you're just like okay. Like I, I'm. I I can't take the call. Right, right. I'm busy. You tell him I'll call him back. Uh, well, you know, the other thing that you talked about, you talked about guys who are pros. You talked about guys who are totally immersed in the game. It's more than just it's more than just a job to these guys. It is the way of life. Steve Eiserman eats, sleeps, dreams, breathes hockey. Um, and I'll tell you, the other two guys that do too, and I know this uh, per- personal experience with these guys, uh, particularly one, Super, super smart guy is Chris Draper. Chris Draper, not only is he just an incredibly uh, smart guy, okay, but he is so 
ingrained in the game. He's like Stevie Y. He he is constantly, constantly keeping his finger on the pulse of what's going on, not only in the NHL, but overseas, uh, in the junior leagues. I mean, this guy seems to be on top of everything, and it doesn't surprise me uh, that he and Steve make a, a tremendous team together. And then Nick Lindstrom's the other one. Nick Lindstrom couldn't stay away from this game if he tried. In fact, he kind of did try in a way. He goes, he tried. He tried one foot in one foot out because obviously when these guys are so dedicated and then their careers come to a close, their families are looking forward to finally having them to themselves for a little while. You know what I mean? But the reality of it is it is in their blood. They can't stay away from it. They need it. Like they need air. Nick Lindstrom's another one of those guys, not to mention the fact that he's another just really academic, just a smart guy. Um, So you've got those three. It's almost like, you know, the axis of evil for any other, they're not evil guys, by the way, they're all fantastic people, but, the, but as far as other teams looking at them, I mean, you're not just up against Steve Eiserman, you're up against Steve Eiserman and his two uh, brethren there who are, who are lockstep with him. Um, and they're just as smart and they're pretty much just as crafty and they breathe it and live it just like he does. So you're up against a tremendously, um, difficult uh, situation and a tough team when you're going up against those guys. And so, and the Red Wings have always had guys like that. Like Ken Holland, even though people rag on Ken Holland, Ken Holland brought three him and Jim Devolano. Him and yeah. Jeb Devolano, they yeah. absolutely killed teams. And they had Jim Nill in the front office, and they had uh, Pat Verbeek, and they had a bunch of guys in there that knew what they were doing. That's the one thing the Red Wings have always done. They've had guys in, in their staff that have absolutely been huge to their success. And that's exactly what you see with Stevie Y. You know, he doesn't just got himself. He's got Chris Draper. He's got Nicholas Lidstrom. He's got, you know, the scouts that were there before that are absolutely phenomenal. And that's what, that's what Stevie Y counts on. That's what this Rebels team counts on. And they're usually right. They usually are right. Yeah, no, no doubt. And sometimes it doesn't always work out for them. Things go wrong for them too. I'll tell you. If, if Jacob Verona can rebound or if, if Jacob Verona would have been everything that he seemed to, he was going to be. And I, and I don't know all the details that went on involved in that. I, I have a feeling it kind of went down something like this. Hey, we're so excited to have you uh, V and uh, we think you're going to be great in Detroit. Um, you just got to assure us that those issues are behind you. Oh yeah, absolutely. Nope. I'm, I'm good. And uh, never going to do that again and blah, blah, blah. And it, and of course, you know, that didn't work out. So th- I wouldn't even call that like a failure. Like, did he lose in that deal with double A and, and Jake Verona? No, I don't think he did. But that was Mantha. He got the Verona. Or Mantha, excuse yeah. me. I'm getting everybody screwed up today. My bad. <laughs> it's all good. I, it's like I see these guys in my head. I know exactly who I'm talking about. And they say the wrong name. We've traded um, a lot of players in, 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 in this time. So you're good. Yeah, I, well, but you know, I but I know that. Yeah, but the really one well thing because you know, I was there when it happened. People, people so. talk, people talk about the the that trade though. I call it kind of a on the players that they were traded, Anthony Mantha, Verona. Maybe you can call it a wash, okay? Because Mantha hasn't done anything in in in, in Washington. Yeah, I, and where, I, I but don't... where the Red Wings got the win in that trade, and I fully believe this. I watched Sebastian Costa the other other day uh, play for Toledo. I paid a certain amount of money to watch him play. And, uh, you know, I paid that ECHL bull crap, which what a bad hockey league that is. But <laughs> hey, we got, we got, Hey, 
hey, we've got, this is, I don't mean to digress too bad or divert Joe, but I'm going to take the opportunity. For those of you who used to watch us when we had video, we had an intern uh, two, three years ago, two or three uh, seasons ago, uh, who we guessed, who guessed it on one of our shows. We let him come on and we kind of had some fun with him. He is now in the ECHL working his way up the ranks. He was in uh, the Southern League and now he's in the ECHL. And I think he's got a shot. I really do. I think you might see him, uh, you know, even making his way up into the AHL. So, um, yeah, yeah, well, you know, good so for him. Not all that good, bad good for him. Good for him. We're, not, we're, we're talking Red Wings. Screw the wild. But, but, but yeah, you okay. said ECHL. Now, they're here, a shitty now, league, and I said well, no. It's, a, it's a bad hockey league. What are we talking about? It's but they bad. got one of our guys, so uh, it's getting better. You know That's my point. Like, Go ahead. There's a lot of people that we know people in the federal league that, <laughs> you know, we're not going to talk about those people either because what a, what a crime against humanity that hockey is. So bad. <laughs> At least the ECHL is pretty fun to watch because they're they're, you know what the ECHL is? It's an old NHL. Like they're just a bunch of grinders. Like they, they like to fight and all that stuff. But one of the things I was watching Sebastian Coates the other day, and he looked he looked fantastic, looked fantastic the way he was reading the play. And it's only going to get better. I mean, he they put him in the ECHL for one reason. That's to get reps uh, with with pro hockey, and obviously going against older veterans that play in the ECHL. That will help him out, but he's going to be in the AHL next year, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him in, in a year and a half with the Red Wings. He's going to make that progress, and that's that's where CVY once again won the trade because he got that first round pick that landed him Sebastian Cosa. Oh, for sure, I think he saw the future in Sebastian Cosa uh, right from the get go. Just like Mo Sider, just like Lucas Raymond. I mean, it's the same kind of vein, okay, that these guys were talking about. Um, the same kind of caliber players. It just takes goalies a little longer to develop, so it doesn't surprise me yeah, uh, that yeah. Kosa is where he's at. In fact, I think they're moving along, as you pointed out, I think he's moving along quite well, and he he's just moved, keeps doing – He's moving at a good pace. Well, I think that yeah. you're – I think everyone should be excited because <clears throat> goalies, they, they take they take time to develop. They're like uh, – in the NFL, they're like corners, and they're like, you know, those guys that were – it takes them a while to develop to the speed of the game and the speed of the play. Like you just, you just don't come into there. It's very rare. You see an NHL goalie come from like the juniors or something and come and play at the NHL level. It's very rare. And that Coso looks like he's well on his way to pr- progress, to get to that situation. Sooner the better I say, because God knows that's, it's one of those voids that we, we really need a need damn goaltender cindy oh jeez we, we can't you know billy poor billy huso i mean poor billy huso this guy can't get a day off without someone ruining. you know i told my dad this the other day because he asked me who was a better goaltender i was like are you are you insane like why are you asking <laughs> dumb questions you know i felt bad because I, I i made i made i made him sound like he was stupid or something and i wasn't trying to but i was like billy huso is like the guy who like He's all, he, he takes a vacation day from work, and they're already calling him back like three hours into the day saying, please, just come in. Like, we need you. Like, just come in. He's like, no, I'm like in Barbados. Like, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> you know, like, that's exactly what it's like. It's like, poor Billy Huso. The guy can't even have a day off without being, like, reminded, oh, shit, I need to be in the next game because this guy can't do nothing right. A lot is asked. They ask a lot of Billy who, so there's no doubt about it. I don't know if Billy expected that. I, I think, to tell you the truth, that's had been adjustment. We'll talk for about him. that. In the, we'll talk about that in the yeah. next segment, right? With, on. With, with the recap, but 
this trade deadline is going to be crazy. Hopefully, we know exactly what's happening Friday with if Tyler Bertuzzi's on, on on the Red Wings still, or is it Verona or is it Dino? That those are the three players mentioned in the trade, you know, insider market. We'll see what happens, but man, it's been a crazy trade deadline for the NHL. And the Eastern Conference looks like it's about to like explode with all these like these players coming over like Timo Meyer and everything like holy crap like oh yeah there's another one another move that uh, I know you were hoping to get him on the wings the wings didn't get him um maybe they would have made bigger pitch for him if they kind of saw the the Bertuzzi writing on the wall I don't know no I don't think I don't think they were gonna because New Jersey gave up this whole crap load of players for Meyer, which I would have loved Meyer, but hopefully New Jersey doesn't have the money to sign him. We can get him in free agency. That'll be even better. There you go. All right. On the next segment, we'll be recapping the Red Wings. Uh, it's not fun times in Detroit, but you know what? We will Do we have to? Do we have to, Joe? Uh, I'm not happy about it either. I think we've had uh, more. I think we've had more fun the first two segments than we have in the last segment. It'll be a short <laughs> segment because I, I can't bear to talk about it anymore. <laughs> That'll be next Sounds on good. the Detroit. That'll be next on the Red Alert podcast, the Detroit Red Wings podcast. Okay, so this is the part of the podcast that uh, we've we've wanted to avoid uh, and to the point where Cindy is speechless. And if you know Cindy personally, you know if she's speechless, <laughs> we have something wrong because she usually has an opinion about everything. She's just she could talk for hours and hours and hours and hours. <laughs> And you're just like, holy shit, we've done like two hours on the phone. <laughs> and it's like, but you know what, Cindy? You know what, Cindy? We've been a part of that. You know, we've we've done that before. But yeah, when you when you watch this Rubbings team, the last two games have been absolutely just disgusting to watch. I mean, they've been out physical, they've been out manned, they've been just beaten to the bone, and they've been absolutely shown up too because the way that the Ottawa Senators were playing them. I mean, they were like the bullies on on the block that came to play the you know the little nerdy kid. Like they were just trying to bully this team, and that's where a guy like Rasmussen would really help this team. It sucked losing them Saturday, and that sucked losing that game against Tampa Bay because that's a game that you should have won against Tampa Bay. Yep. I mean, that could have been the, the difference in like going two and two in this, this stretch. You know, we last time we did the podcast, we were like, this is going to be a critical stretch for the Red Wings. And they went one and three in that stretch. And the last two games have been absolutely brutal. But like that, that game against Tampa Bay, they threw everything at Vasilevsky. And that guy is a freaking machine, a wall. Yeah. I mean, like, there's, there, they threw everything at this guy, the tip, pucks, all, everything. This guy's just like, He's like uh he's like one of those Avenger movies. He's just saving everything. He's like a brick wall. <laughs> and it's like, man, like I I was watching on my phone because we didn't have no power because you know stupid Michigan and DTE screw DTE. And so right. you know they, they they say they leave the light on for you. They didn't leave no damn light on for me. But that beside the point. Besides the point. <laughs> yeah, you and a bunch of other people, so you weren't alone. But well, I will have to say that, that matches that matches up with the Rebels because they didn't light the lamp once in that game, and then they then they go into the next two games and they light the lamp once right there. They're like DTE too. They, they ain't leaving the power on either. Yeah, it's DTE's fault. Let's just blame them. The goals went in. They just didn't light the lamp. Right? It just didn't go on. It was really <laughs> it was it was their fault. Um, for, well, for sure, true. Um, 
here here's the way I'm going to choose to look at this. Okay, um, I saw everything everybody else saw. I, I, there were points I had to walk away from it because I was getting like physically ill. Uh, there were points that I, you know, and I had to preserve my sanity, right? So there were at some point I just I I couldn't deal. I just couldn't. Um, but I saw all the same things. I saw this team implode. I saw them cave to the pressure. I saw them. Uh, let these guys get under their skin. I saw them get sloppy. Um, I mean, just even even if even if the Senators weren't on the ice and they were just practicing, the play was sloppy. I mean, it just got sloppy. You could tell they just didn't care. They gave up. They were like, screw it. You know, everything's against us. We're just, we're screwed. So, um, you know, and, or they got frazzled, uh, excuse me, frazzled and frenzied. I mean, it was one of the two things you saw with these guys. So, between frazzled and frenzy, you got three losses. It, and I agree with you. That Tampa Bay game, I was actually very impressed with their play. So when I'm talking about them being frazzled and frenzied, I, I'm speaking more in the Ottawa games for sure. Um, but here's how I'm choosing to look at this. And we could pick it apart. I think the loss of Rasmussen highlights a couple of things. One, that it's significantly more impactful to the Red Wings to lose uh, Michael Rasmussen than it is to lose Tyler Bertuzzi. Um for as much as people went on and on about how we didn't have Bertuzzi, I think make, the loss of Michael Rasmussen is going to be even more impactful. And I think you saw that um, in, in these couple of games or that half a game and then the one game without him. So, um, however, here's how I'm choosing to look at this. That which doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? Everybody knows that saying. It applies here. The Wings have had three very, very difficult losses. One and, and, and people might even argue all three had not much to do with them. Um, although I, I will tell you, they, they just lost their shit. They just didn't keep it together no. uh, against Ottawa. Sure, unfair things happened. Yes, the officiating was absolutely god-awful. It really was. But you know what? Life's not fair, boys. Life's not fair, okay? This is the type of obstacle that a champion has to learn to deal with and get through. So here's what they need to do. Don't let this kill you. Let it make you stronger. Okay. You need to, this is where the psychological game is so very, very important. Sure. They're going to have to retool some of their mechanics because of the loss of Rasmussen and probably a couple of other things. Uh, what's going to happen with the trade deadline and who's going to be there and who's not and all that stuff. But the key component to the Red Wings turning this around, because what they've just done, Joe, is they've made it more difficult for themselves. Yeah. The reason these were so key is because now they've just made getting to the playoffs that much more difficult, but if they can overcome that increasing amount of difficulty now, um, they're going to make themselves a better team, even in the playoffs, if they are successful in getting there. But this is where the psychological aspect of this game is going to be so important. They have got to let this go as hard yeah. as that's going to be. They're going to have to let it go. They're going to have to get over it and they're going to have to get back to where they were after they won those stretch of games a few weeks ago, they've well, got to get mentally back in that place. I tie it back to when I was doing the Detroit Lions news podcast and the Lions lost to Carolina late in the year. And it was a big loss. Obviously it's not as big as the loss of what the Red Wings. I mean, it, it, the, the, in the terms of the playoff race, they are both big losses because obviously the Red Wings got more time, but the Lions didn't. But I look at it the same way. Like you, it was an opportunity wasted, and now you're going to have to rely on other teams to do your dirty work. Um, when you look at the Rubbings, it it was like that Lions game that the they played against the Panthers. It's a burn the tape game. You burn the tape. 
You don't watch that game. You don't think about the game. You just let it go. You know that if 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 it comes down to it, you just got to burn the tape. It's That's what it's called. It's called burning the tape. You want to just get rid of everything that you did in that last game. You just want to you, you wanna put together your best effort to move forward in a better direction and, and just forget about the last two games because the last two games have been totally just a debacle. And if you played the way you played against the Rangers and you played the way you played against the, the Lightning, you're going to win more games than you lose. And I didn't see that same com- compete level that, you know, Steve Eisenberg talk about, the compete level. I didn't see that compete level against the Senators. And those are two games that you you really needed. But if you go into Seattle, you play Seattle tomorrow and you – you have to go into your best effort, and you can't think about what happened against Ottawa. You you got to burn the tape and just move move on. And that's the way it's got to be. You can There's no. There's nowhere else to go. You just have to. You have to be. Uh, you just have to move on with that game. Now, hopefully, Derek Lalonde has had this conversation with his guys in the locker room, and he's telling telling them exactly that. They're like, "Look, guys, you had five games in." eight days you were exhausted rolling into Ottawa I'll give them that okay I'll give them that and quite frankly as hard as they worked against the Tampa Bay Lightning and then losing that game and be beaten by let's face it Vasilevsky because if he wasn't there it was a totally different game outcome so I can see where they were kind of maybe mentally and physically drained certainly going into that last game and then having to fight the officials and all that other stuff um and, and by the way, I believe the reason why, speaking of fighting, uh, good for Burt. Good for Burt for, for going after Ottawa. I'm sure that's part of what Derek Lalone told those guys in that, that second game against Ottawa. Hey, you go out there and you show them you can be just as physical as they are. You give it right back to them as yeah. soon as they're giving it to you. And Burt started that off. Good for him. But um, I think the reason why uh, he did that is he knows, just as we know, and we were talking about, that Michael Rasmussen, uh, he's in competition with him for his job, uh, for that contract, that slot. And um, and he needed to show that he could be physical, just like Michael Rasmussen has learned to be physical. That was one of the biggest criticisms of Ras is that he had all this size but never used it, and now he is. And uh, Tyler had to show that he could do that too. So um, I, I think that's why you saw that. But now they're saying to these guys, all right, guys, you've got an opportunity to rest now. You're going to have a couple of days. You're going to get home, get yourself centered again. And now we're going to go after Seattle. And then we go back on the road and, and they're not those, you know, they're not long trips. They're, you know, they're, they're just, they're going to New York. No more, no more big road trips. So you're correct. Right. No more big road trips. They're going to have a lot of, a lot of resting time for before they have to go up against Boston. Yeah. Um. And, and I think they're going to say, let's take this rest to do exactly that. Go be with your families, you know, get, get, get yourself right. Get yourself centered. This, this playoff run starts Thursday. This playoff run starts when we come up against uh, Seattle at home. Yeah. And who knows, who knows if Tyler Bertuzzi will be part of the team, obviously, you know, with the trade deadline and everything, but you look at the schedule that the Red Wings have coming up. And I think that it's very doable that if they win tomorrow, they could, they could go on a little bit of a win streak. I mean, you got New York. That's a pivotal game in the playoff race. You got Philadelphia. You should be able to beat. You got Chicago. And if you go and play Boston in a back-to-back off a four-game winning streak, I think that could spread a lot of good joy throughout the team. 
and let's be honest, you play you played Nashville and St. Louis tw- tw- uh, three times altogether. Those those should be wins easily off the top, and you got Philly again, and those 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 are games that you should be able to win. So if you can get it, if you can get the games against, if you can get at least one game against Boston, maybe you win one of the Florida or Colorado game. Precisely, you'd be the Florida game for the playoff race. But you just you would like to see what the Lions did in their second half, where they got just close enough to the playoffs. They got just close enough to the playoffs, and they they're gonna kind of spread that good joy into the off season where. They can go to free agents and tell them, listen, we are only a couple points away. You could be the difference. And, and I think that's what Stevie Wise is going to do this offseason. No matter how close they get to the playoffs or how, how far they get away from the playoffs, I think this has been a great year for the Rebbings to build on. I think that uh, it, they've shown that there are some critical pieces on the team that you can move forward with, like Dylan Larkin, like Jonathan Bergeron, like Lucas Raymond, Sider, Jake Wallman. Those guys have been absolutely phenomenal, even Ali Olimata. But there's going to be some pieces that you need to move in. And obviously, you're going to look for a second goaltender. You're going to look for some physicality and some two-way offense. That's what's going to have to happen moving forward. It's just it just the way you look at this team, there's spots in this team that they have that are just – you hope that they play at a better level than they did against Ottawa because – you play against you play Ottawa like you play against Ottawa like you did versus Ottawa, and you play Boston that way. You're gonna get ran off the ice. That's how it, you know. That's that's all that really matters right there. You gotta you gotta put it together. And I think I think they know this. I think they're very I think they're very aware of that. Uh, Derek Lalonde is also a very insightful guy, and he's a it's just a very I'm excited to watch Derek Lalonde. He's a quiet guy. He's not an in-your-face kind of a guy. Um, But, but God, the the, the guy, he's got a beat on what's going on. And um, I like his style. I like his approach. Um, He doesn't pretend to be anything he's not. uh, But, you know, he's one of those sleepers, you know. He's a guy that you should be be afraid of. I'll tell you exactly who he is. I'll tell you exactly who he is. He is the less buff with less hair, Dan Campbell. Because oh he, yeah, he gets yeah, that, he I gets, can see it. He gets that team to play. He's very he's very serious. The players love him. You can tell that they love him. You, you can tell that the players love him just by the way that they play. Uh, just by the way that they respond to him, it's great. Obviously, we didn't see that with Blashell, and we certainly didn't see with that boob Matt Patricia for the Lions. And the one thing that Dan Campbell. And Brett and uh, Derek Lone have in common is their their ability to to read the room and know when to make a certain you know make have a certain talking to with to the room and precisely these two teams that, that are on the, this upward trend the Red Wings and Alliance they both have young players they both have players that they have to kind of coach up a little bit. You know, it's different when you're a coach and you have a, you know, you have a veteran leader who he's allowed to like, you know, read the room and talk to the room. It's different when you got a guy like Dylan Larkin, who he's still learning how to be a captain, still learning how to be, you know, that guy. It's it's a it's a lot different. And, you know, when you're talking to young players like the Lucas Raymonds or in the case of the, the Lions, you have, you know, the Malcolm Rodriguez, Rodriguez is you're kind of you're kind of trying to teach them 
as you move forward. And that's a mark of a great head coach because if you can get them to buy in, uh, buy in is huge. It's the most critical part if in a rebuild. If you can get them to buy in and you're the right coach, you're going to be a consistent winner soon. And you look at these two teams and they are on the upward trend of being a team that not this year, but next year could make some significant significant strides. I mean, that's just the way it is. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, look at it's grew in his in his minions. We have grew from like despicable me <laughs> in his minions. That's who this this team is. I love it. You can't help but notice the comparison. Yep. You just can't. And I love Newsy. I think he's just like cute as a button. I really do. But he's like you know, um, he's 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 uh, <laughs> you can't help deny. It. You you just can't deny it. Anyway, yeah, he you know what so the, the the thing about Derek Lone though. The one thing I'm going to say about Derek Long is like when him and Dan Campbell, they lose games. You could see it on their face that they're absolutely pissed off what happened. And that's the mark of a great coach because that pissed off nature will translate to the team like saying like this was not good enough. Yeah, I remember early in, in the first year of Dan Campbell, they got blown the brakes off of by I think it was Denver. And he said it wasn't good enough. And the next time they went to play out, they played a really good game. And I'm I'm expecting the Red Wings to come out at home against Seattle, and, and I expect them to win. Be honest. You know what? You know what's interesting that you mentioned these two guys and their style of coaching. Um, when you say that they're pissed when they lose, it's interesting. They aren't the kind of coaches that get pissed because they look bad because they lost. They get pissed. Because they are hurting for their guys who they yep. believe in. Yep. That's why they're pissed. Because they know those guys can do better. And they know how crushing it is for their guys who they, again, they believe in and they have a commitment to. That's why they get pissed. And that's why why those losses affect them the way that they do. That's the difference. Because it is kind of like Gru and their minions. I mean, you ever see that show? Like like when, when Gru comes in, they all go, yay, you know, and they're excited to see him. And they're like, that's their guy. Same thing with the Red Wings and Derek Lalonde. When that guy comes in. It, it, it smiles all around unless they know they're getting yelled at, but I don't think he's really a yeller, but, um, but yeah, no, it's that same type of, I don't want to say like worship type of thing, but they had that kind of respect and that kind yeah. of affinity. They have affinity for this coach. So yeah. no doubt. And that's, and they want to play for him. So they've earned, they've earned um, respect. And, I, and you know what the funny part about it is these two teams that we've mentioned just now, Lions and Red Wings, their general managers are exactly the same. They're very calculated. They're they're not very media savvy, but they're just you know they're just good with them. They're just like they're kind of smarter than they portray. Like they're just like oh, the Brad Holmes and Stevie Y. They're both like this. They're like okay, you know what? You could think I'm gonna mix up my words. You know, Stevie Y. He'll sometimes when he's he's gonna flush it, he'll be like yeah, you know, and Brad Holmes will go you know, you know, you know, and you know these guys are like. When they're in the when they're in the building and they're making decisions, they're like, "Oh, screw that! I, that's we're gonna do something different. Let's let's do this this way." And that's these two teams have the same identities right now, where they're on the come up. They're it's not it's not it's not that far away from where they're gonna be. And what Brad Holmes has to do with this offseason with the Lions is what Stevie Y is gonna be tasked with doing this offseason for the Red Wings, and that's going out and getting talent so you can build on this and 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 try to build a winner pretty soon because i mean 
listen, we have some good prospects coming up. There's, obviously, you're going to rely on them, but you're going to have some cap space to maneuver and make some deals and, and make some trades, and let's see what you could do. Well, you hear that, Joe? Do you hear that knocking? I don't know if you can hear that knocking, but that's Stevie Y at my door. There he is calling to ask me what I think, and, and he wants to know when he can come on the Red Alert podcast. That's well, really what – Here's the thing. I thought it, I thought it was knock knock knocking on heaven's door. I thought I, it could be that too. It I could thought, be that too. I thought since you got your AARP card the other day, I thought oh, stick it. You no, know, I thought it was I thought it was the end. I was like, oh Jesus, it's calling her home. Did I tell you? Did I tell you by the way? I'm getting daily emails from that those people now. It makes me absolutely sick. If they ever it want me to warms, not become it, a member, listen, keep sending me those stupid emails. You don't. You don't understand. It warms my heart that you're getting an AARP card. <laughs> and you know who else got an AARP card that he was really pissed about and he was a former rubbing? Who's that? Joey Koser. <laughs> he's me like, and Uncle Joey for sure. He's like, I don't need the F and AARP. <laughs> You know what? Because we want to say to them, do you know who we are? I mean, we're both the kind of people that probably are not. I mean, I know I just don't say that to be. I don't go around saying, you know, who I am. I never uh, play that card. Go. You know, I, I yeah, hate that. Ko- Kosher would be, yeah, he, he would be that guy. Yeah, he might. He might. So, I, and honestly, but, uh, honestly, at his age, I don't care what anybody says. If that guy came at me like he was about to beat my ass, I'm telling you right now, this is no, this is no shit to you. I would probably piss my pants. I'm not even lying because I oh, swear for God, sure. I swear. And you should. Him you and should. Da- listen, I know Darren's lost some weight, uh, you know, in, in his non playing years. I still yeah, wouldn't mess with him. I either. still wouldn't uh-huh. want to mess with him. And if nope. Proby was, I know Proby is gone or whatever, but if Pro, I, Proby can come right out of the, the, the casket and just beat my ass. And I, I'd probably say, hell yeah, like I'm going to get beat up by a dead guy. Right. No, for sure. And I'll tell you, you know, uh, how close Darren and, and, and Bobby were. And, uh, and then to this day, as you know, but you know, Darren said that he misses Bobby and he has a lot mad respect for him. But the one guy, when he has been asked, who were you afraid of? Who was really the scariest guy? And you think he's going to say one of these other, you know, well-known, well-known enforcers. He's like, no, Joey Koser, Joey Koser will kill Joey you. Koser, that he's, 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 a, he's the toughest one. You know what, and, you know what freaks me out though? The guy is so effing nice. Like, oh you God, never, he is. He's a wonderful you, you guy. Ne- you would never yeah. know. That, you would never know that he could beat your ass. And no. I, I, think, I think you know. I they always tell you you got to be fearful of the the nice uh, mad guy. Oh, you know? but you know what is? I got to tell you, I've seen this. You're right. And I'll tell you what. I have seen this. And anybody who's had been in the same environment, or maybe you know, you are that guy out there. If you're a hockey player, former hockey player, whatever. Um, is uh it's like a switch and they can be the nicest guys darren's the same thing darren darren's just a warm lovable little fuzzball i just love him he's my he's my sweetheart you guys know that <laughs> only you can and, call him uh, fuzzball I, he's just he's just just cute as button and uh sweet as he can be i mean i'd do anything for him and uh he's a tremendous tremendous humanitarian great guy anyway joe coaster was nice as pie when i met him met him years and years ago and was as nice as he could be. He was with his kids up at uh, Great Wolf Lodge in Traverse City. And uh, he could not have been any nicer. Um, Darren McCarty can't be any nicer. But I'll tell you, when you see those guys turn, it's, it's scary. scary. The it's turn, scary. the turn in their eyes is, you see it in the eyes. And it is scary. It's like almost like they get possessed by somebody else. And, and you know you better run. Just run. But here's <laughs> the thing. 
Derek Lalonde uh, is a well, well-loved, well-respected coach, just like Dean Campbell is. And the fact of the matter is, as brutal as this last week has been, uh, the reality is, is that the seven teams who are competing for a those two wild card spots are statistically tied. Really, they're really in a dead heat, not yeah. tied exactly, but they're really in a dead heat because there's only six points, six points among those tops, uh, top seven. Yeah. Um, three of them are, you know, we're kind of middle of that pack. But the, the reality is it's anybody's game still, if you will, okay? Yeah. It's anybody's game to grab one of those wild card spots. And there is no reason why the Detroit Red Wings cannot make that change, get that change in your eye, boys. Change it just like you've seen those tough guys do and go and get it. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. If they trade Tyler Bertuzzi, I don't think that really, you know, moves the needle in terms of them selling off and being, you know, in, in terms of players going – Okay, season's over, boys. We're just gonna pack it in. They got too much veteran leadership on that team to do that, and I think that if they did do that, I think that there would be a major step up in some player that we have not mentioned. Maybe he takes the next step and and becomes the player that we thought he would, and hopefully we see that with this Detroit Red Wings team, and and especially with you know this coming this last month and a half of the season. Like we're hoping that we can play some meaningful hockey down the stretch and. You know, if they don't make it, fine. I'm fine with it. But just play some meaningful hockey down the stretch and let's see what's what's going on. And if you miss it, and it's like the Lions where you miss it just by a fraction of an inch, then fine. It's fine. I think any Red Wings fan or any any, any fan of hockey could respect the way that the Red Wings are going. And I think that CBY could see that it's, you know, it's now time to add some critical pieces to the team to help them win moving forward. So that's going to be the, that's going to be the name of the game. And listen, we're going to get a first perspective of when they play Seattle and, and, New, and New York that those are going to be two main games and next week when we talk Cindy it's going to be it's going to be major that we see what's going on yep forget the Ottawa blip that was just a blip on the radar burn the tape burn the tape and listen don't burn this tape just listen to us next week on the episode of Red Alert and we will we will guide you through I might do a little bit of uh, if something happens with the trade deadline I might do a little YouTube video just to recap, whatever. But I don't think we're gonna be needing to do that. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think. I don't think Steve Y is gonna go on a selling spree like people say. I think he is gonna get rid of you know obviously Bertuzzi, but we'll see what happens there. And I think that I think the Red Wings are gonna make it interesting down the stretch, Cindy. I think so too, Joe. I'm looking forward to talking to you about it next week and talking to all of you. We enjoy your involvement in all the social media. Keep giving us those comments. We love to engage with you. You'll see Joe or myself show up there from time to time. And it is really us, by the way. And yep. uh, you can let us have it if you think we're wrong, if you've listened to this fantastic podcast every week. You know, I have, I have a YouTube video coming out tomorrow, too, So for, for the Red Wings. So keep keep an eye on that. And then, um, obviously, Cindy, we, this has been a longer podcast. But we've talked about it a lot. And I think the people are going to be entertained. So we will see you guys next week on another episode of the Red Alert Podcast. See you then.